listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We're free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube. My name is Mary Clark staff writer for the win and you can follow me on twitter at mary c clark i'm here with andrew berkshire nhl analyst for the montreal gazette and host of game over montreal on the sdpn you can follow on twitter at andrew berkshire on this tuesday edition of the cross check the conference finals are here only four teams remain in the playoffs as we've hit the halfway point andrew and i will preview both the western and eastern conference finals as well as checking in on which teams have been the biggest disappointments so far so andrew before we start start off today's show, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Had uh, a good weekend here. You know, the boys are happy. It was nice outside. We went to parks. It was, it was just a good time. Uh, I am glad that the second round is finally over. <laughs> I am glad that the Rangers hurricane series is finally over <laughs> the one tired that, of watching paint dry the one that lasted the longest was the one we thought was the most boring no offense to either it of those makes teams, sense right? but you know after such a great first round the second round kind of ended in a bit of a whimper and even game seven wasn't like you know the rangers took that early lead and it was just kind of fell over from there really so there really was no excitement yeah for the I most mean, part honestly i think the second round was a bit of a disappointment Mm. Uh, the Battle of Alberta was fun, but too short. Uh, Calgary yep. just folded way too quickly. Markstrom was too bad. And f- the Battle of Florida was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Florida was awful. The Lightning were great, but you know, mostly that series came down to Vasilevsky being spectacular and Florida being unable to get over the hump. You know, one power play goal. Awful. But uh, yeah, the second round, I hope the third round is better than the second round. That's all I got to say. The first round was fantastic. Yeah, the first round was fantastic. Second round, a bit of a mixed bag, hit or miss kind of thing. Yeah, I hope the third round delivers. But yeah, my weekend was good. Uh, It was Memorial Day weekend here in the States. Uh, So I had a long weekend. It was great. Uh, I usually have Friday and Saturday off. So I had my normal Friday, Saturday off. And Saturday, I went to a friend's wedding and it was uh, really fun. Got to see a lot of friends I haven't seen in a while. Uh, Really great. Um, Just good to catch up. Lots of, you know, good food, you know, good drinks, good dancing, all that stuff. It's a wedding. Uh, Then Sunday, uh, I came back and I drove a few of my friends home. So I got to catch up more with them. Uh, But then I worked only like a handful of hours on Sunday night. And then Monday was was Memorial Day. So I only worked basically like a half day on Monday. So I had a pretty, I had a longer weekend than I usually do. So I'm feeling rested, relaxed. Uh, I'm ready to go for the uh, the third round. I'm very glad. I, I'm very glad that the series got extended one more. Like like the Hurricanes Rangers series got extended one more day because it gave me an extra day to work on all of my uh, preview content for the uh, conference finals. So thank you uh, for that at least. Uh, but yeah, uh, things are looking good. Um, the, unfortunately, though, we have to start out. This episode, we're not going to make it a full segment, but this news dropped, I believe, Thursday after we recorded the show, Andrew. So it wasn't there wasn't really much we could do in terms of like talking about this, but we wanted to mention it uh, briefly. Another Rick Westhead piece came out talking about Hockey Canada and the CHL settled a lawsuit over an alleged sexual assault involving, I believe, eight world junior players. I don't I think I believe the. We don't know the identity of the players, but we weren't. There's a bit of confusion, at least from what I remember seeing, over which teams it comes from. Because it, in Rick Westhead's piece, it says the 2017 18 World Junior team. And then one of these statements that came out, I believe it may have been the NHLs, that mentioned um, just the 2018 Canadian World Junior hockey team or like under 20 World Junior hockey team. So we're not, at least as far as I'm aware, we're not sure exactly which team it is. It, um, it is. It's just a different way of uh, referring to the same team. So it is the world junior team, which is under 20 and the 2017, 18 team is like, it's the 2018. It's just a little bit confusing. There's too many. There's, there's, yeah, yeah. it's It's, confused messaging, but mm -hmm, it is that team. But I think uh, one thing that we need to be clear about is I believe it said that it was players, including, but not limited to that team. 
but they were CHL players specifically, I think. Uh, we don't, we're not going to go through the list and like name names because I feel like no. that's irresponsible. But mm-hmm. a lot of people on Twitter obviously are going through that roster, and it's a lot of high profile NHLers who could currently like cur- potentially be implicated here. This is unbelievably awful. And when you read the details of it, which I encourage everyone to do, and please, please please follow Rick Westhead on Twitter and read his articles on TSN.ca because he is the guy who is continually chasing after these stories and bringing them to light. Uh, But the details are shocking. Um, These kids, for lack of a better term, under 20 young Mm. people, they knew what they were doing. They knew it was wrong, and the details of the case are very clear in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no argument that they mistook consent. Yeah. They knew that it was sexual assault. It it is so disgusting, Mary, like reading this. It just – I don't want to dwell on it too long because I don't think we can really bring anything to it at this point in time that isn't already out there. I know that uh, the Steve Dangle podcast is bringing on Rick Westhead this week to talk about it. So I encourage everyone to tune into that and he can give detail of, of where this case is going and what's going to happen. I know that it's it was settled uh, in terms of uh, they paid uh, the young girl off. I believe it was, um, or at least from what I saw in the article, um, asked a judge to reward $3.55 million. Yeah. I, I didn't see anything else about numbers, so I would assume that's the that's the settlement, but yeah. Yeah, and that kind of number is pretty large for a case mm-hmm. like this, which tells you exactly how bad it is. It, it, it Like, reading through it, I was so angry. Mm-hmm. I, like, I couldn't, I could barely see. It's so disgusting, and I'm so tired of hockey pushing this stuff under the rug. The fact that this happened four years ago, and we're just hearing about it now. It it's I'm so mad. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I can't stand this crap anymore. And I'm laughing to stop myself from like rage tears. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a I get it. I get it, Andrew. It, it's a completely horrific story. Read, um, you know, if you can, uh, you know, if this stuff is triggering to you, you do not have to. But it is out there. You should read this reporting. Share it with, you know, the correct trigger warnings and stuff like that. So. Uh, but yeah, we just we wanted to bring this to attention uh, because requested is continuing to do the most uh, incredible, uh, important work in hockey, the most important work in hockey. Um, and what was it this time around this time last year when the Kyle Beach stuff um, really started to like, like become known and stuff like that, if I'm remembering correctly. So uh, the story likely isn't going away, um, as we say with all of these stories that have come up, uh, it seems that the floodgates continue are continuing to open for the NHL and hopefully um, consequences and uh, stuff will be, will be doled out and um, such because um, it's reprehensible to think that um, players on teams that you cheer for could have done something like this. So I hope, uh, you know, we know, um, eventually who it is because uh, they shouldn't be playing hockey in the NHL anymore, regardless of whether or not uh, they play for your favorite team. So, but I think we're going to leave it at that, but uh, obviously we will update this story. Um, it sucks to do so. I know I feel, I say this like every other week, it feels like with this or just something else, the NHL disappoints us in, but uh, I wanted to get that out there. So we, you know, talked a little bit about it and you know made sure everybody was aware of it because this is this is an important story and it isn't going to go away no but i'm sure they'll try to make it go away but at least the nhl has announced an investigation right away so i think people should just prepare themselves for relatively large profile names to be named and it might affect one of your favorite players that's all yeah all right hard turn out of that it's never easy to do so well we're gonna do it so, all right, the playoffs, everybody. The playoffs are halfway over, like I said. Uh, and we are going to swing right into the Western Conference uh, because I think this is going to be the more fun matchup of the two that 100%. we have left uh, because it is the Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers. The Avalanche getting over the hump, exercising their demons, and getting to the third round uh, for the first time in at least over a decade or so, I believe, maybe like for the first time 
since the early 2000s. Uh, so it's it been a while. might have been since the last time they won the cup. Maybe. Uh, but it's been a while for this Avalanche team. Uh, they, But they were too talented and they were able to make it past uh, the Blues in the second round. And then we have the Oilers, who I think kind of shocked all of us in um, beating the Flames. I think a lot of us had, you know, higher expectations for that Flames team. And we're going to talk about disappointments later on in the show. Uh, but the Oilers were able to get past despite Mike Smith having that terrible, awful goal against. Uh, it didn't seem to matter much. Um, but yeah, we're going to get Nathan McKinnon versus Connor McDavid uh, in the playoffs. And I think this is going to be an incredible round of hockey. Uh, what say you, Andrew? Uh, it seems like you are also just as excited as me for this round because it seems as if this is going to be the more fun of the two. Yeah, it's McDavid versus McKinnon, right? Like, how could you not be excited about this right yes. now? And it it's just it's going to be the fastest hockey we've seen in these playoffs, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference is, in my opinion, McDavid doesn't have Makar, right? I think Makar has been arguably the best player on the avalanche in the postseason. Um, I haven't been like, there's been people who are like, oh yeah, you know, Edmonton's not going to be able to score at will as easily against the Colorado avalanche. But like, did, did you see Darcy Kemper in mm-hmm. the last series? He hasn't filled me with a lot of confidence. So I think this mm-hmm. series is going to go like the distance. I don't think it's going to be easy for the Colorado avalanche. I think people can underestimate the Edmonton Oilers at their peril. And as much as I don't trust Mike Smith and anyone who does trust Mike Smith is kind of crazy. Mike Smith has a career 930 save percentage in the playoffs. He's got a 927 this year. He has shut down the Calgary Flames for the most part. Like, I know he wasn't great in that series, but he was really decent. He was better than the other goaltender. So, like, I don't know. Maybe Mike Smith's the better goalie in this series. It, it's it could wild happen. to think of, Andrew, because, you know. Yeah, Mike Smith's playoff numbers are just weird. It feels like such an anomaly to me. It feels like we've talked about how Mike Smith oscillates between being either the best goaltender ever or the worst goaltender ever, and there's no real in-between with him. And for some reason in the playoffs, he is on the best goaltender ever, but the Oilers haven't been able to get it done um, in the playoffs before. But now the, the team seems to be playing a better structure of hockey. Uh, there's you know more talent around McDavid, um, and, you know, as loath we are to talk about Evander Kane, he's, you know, I believe leading the NHL playoff field in goals. Uh, so, yeah, it is. Um, this Oilers team is different and it's it, it, it shows. And the fact that Mike Smith could very well win the goaltending battle um, in this series and has won the goaltending battle in their series so far. It's just really surprising to me. I mean. Coming into the playoffs, he went, what, 8-0, and 9-0 in, like, the last little bit of the regular season, like, in the last month. Um, so we maybe should have seen this coming, but, like, regular season success does not always transfer to the postseason. You know, yeah. talk to the Florida Panthers or the Calgary Flames. We, we will get to both of those teams at the end of this at the end of this segment or at the end of this podcast. But, like, it's just it, – Mike Smith is such an anomaly to me. Like, what a weird goaltender he is. I, he's so strange. Like, you watch him, and even when he's playing well, he looks like he's playing terrible. Yes. Like, he'll is, have a good game, and then he'll what? let in that shot from the opposing blue line. Like, mm-hmm. it's just awful. But, like, the craziest thing about this series is we talk about, like, McKinnon and McCarr versus uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I think that's going to be a matchup for the ages. And McKinnon and McCarr bring a defensive quality that the Oilers' top guys don't. Mm-hmm. But... At the same time, as great as McKinnon and McCarr are, they are tied with 13 points in the playoffs. McDavid and Dreisaitl will have 26. Yep. It's double. Yeah, it's double. <laughs> they're like they're approaching historic numbers or like they have historic numbers. I believe I looked this up for um for the content I was writing that uh both of them have a higher points per like a like a two-point-something points per game, which only was matched by Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux uh, in previous playoffs. So they are in a uh, historic tier of their own right now. Um, It's incredible what they're doing. Uh, I really hope that this series doesn't disappoint in the way the Battle of Alberta slash the Battle of Florida did, uh, because we hyped those series up so much, Andrew. 
Um, and they and fell it's just, flat. And they fell flat because uh, the Panthers weren't the Panthers, and you know their scoring disappeared, and they couldn't score on the power play. And Jacob Markstrom just wasn't as good as uh, advertised, basically. And uh, the Flames kind of got shut down from there. Uh, but if this series was to disappoint, Andrew, where could it go wrong? Basically, like where, like, like to do the, like the Avalanche just completely overwhelm the Oilers with their experience and better structure or do the like or could the oilers overrun the avalanche with their superior offense like where could it go wrong here could you possibly see this series being as bad as those are we trying to you know not even think about that because we want it to be good i I think there's a possibility that either team could see their goaltending fall out from underneath them right like if kemper plays against the oilers like he played against the blues that could spell serious trouble for the Colorado Avalanche. Now, the Avalanche are good enough that even if Kemper is not great, they can still win a series, as they just showed. Like, remember when we talked on this show, all they needed to win Game 6 or Game 5 or Game 7 against the Blues mm-hmm. was Kemper to play one good game. He did not do that. <laughs> they, <laughs> they still won. So they could do that against the Edmonton Oilers, possibly. But I think he needs to be a little bit better than he was just because the Oilers are just so dangerous. Uh, But, you know, Mike Smith could also turn into a pumpkin as he has many times before. Mm -hmm. And the Avalanche could run them out of the building very quickly. This series has boomer bust potential, just like the Battle of Alberta did, just like uh, the Battle of Florida did. I hope we get a boom and not a bust. I would love to see this go seven games just because I think that the opportunity for greatness in like viewer uh, like watchability is so high. Yeah, it it felt. Well, I'm like not 100 confident though. <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, it felt like the second round, like really, just you're right. It busted in terms of like the first round was. You know, we had how many game sevens? Six game five. sevens out of. Okay, there we go. Five, five game sevens out of eight series. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of excitement. There was a lot of you know, you know, drama. And didn't three go to overtime in game seven? I believe so, or something like that. You don't get better than that. Yeah, it feels like we haven't had like a really like long grinding overtime in a while, too. I mean, uh, yeah, like it, it, you know, the first round usually is the best in terms of just like there's so much happening. So there's, you know, more room for chaos, more room for, you know, all that type of stuff. But the, it's just a shame that the second round didn't really live up to the hype, but you know, it can here, it can at least like, maybe we should, you know, temper our expectations a little more reasonably, but I still think that there is a good series here uh, underneath it all, because um, these are two really good teams. And I mean, the Oilers have their problems. We've talked about them. I still wasn't convinced on their goaltending. It looks like it could have possibly been a problem early on, but Mike Smith seems to have, figured it out for now but there's always there there's that ever-present potential that he turns back into a pumpkin um it's it's never gone with mike smith he'll he'll never like it's always like it's like a jekyll and hyde type of thing right now he's he's you know playing you know the good dr jekyll but but there's always the possibility that hyde comes out to play that's such a bad metaphor but we're gonna go with it um (laughs) So, yeah, uh, I guess we will end this segment with uh, predictions because um, that is what we do. And uh, I was terrible last round uh, because I keep I keep my predictions the same between this podcast and the one I do at work because consistency. I don't know. I don't want to seem two faced and all of that. Uh, So last round, I only went one for four. Uh, It was bad. I only had who did I have as the only team going out. Oh, the avalanche is the only team progressing uh i don't remember if we had the same predictions andrew but i will ask you for yours first for this series um because i'm curious and uh yeah i'm just curious so what's your prediction andrew i i think the avalanche ticket i I still think they win the cup this year and the 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 only team that i can see beating tampa bay at this point so Mm -hmm. i have to go with the colorado avalanche do you have a game in mind Oh, seven. I think it's going to go the distance. I, I, I love the potential of this series. I want it to go seven. I'm picking with my heart, not my head, which is what <laughs> yes. I've been doing the whole playoffs. I don't I don't care if I'm right. It's just for fun. It's just for fun. I agree. Uh, but yes, I also have the avalanche in seven. I can absolutely see this going to the Oilers just as easily because if, you know, Mike Smith wins the goalie battle uh, against Darcy Kemper, 
you know, that that might spell doom for Colorado. But, you know, good on both of these teams for, you know, making it to the third round. I mean, we didn't really talk about how Edmonton hasn't really made it. You know, this is Connor McDavid's first trip to the conference final. Yeah. Um, so it's the it's the first time since 2002 when Patrick Wad did the Statue of Liberty thing against mm-hmm. Detroit uh, for Colorado and the first time since 0506 for the Edmonton Oilers. So both times these teams made it, uh, you know, for Colorado, it was kind of the end of the era. Uh, the second last season for Patrick Waugh and for Edmonton, it was the last time they made the Stanley cup final and they got within one game of winning the Stanley cup that year. Yeah. And uh, I think this is good. Like we're, we're, you know, getting some new blood as it were in the later rounds. Like we've had Edmonton and Colorado in the playoffs in the early rounds, but we, you know, they haven't really progressed this far since you know at least close to 20 years essentially 20 years and close to 20 years for both of these teams yeah like this is hopefully going to be a good series there's obviously a lot on the line here not just you know in terms of like advancing to the stanley cup final but like it's been a long time for these teams and they're sure to know that even though obviously none of those players were on any of those teams, but you know, it's still probably a weight on their shoulders that they know that the history of their cities and their teams, they've had a long drought in terms of, you know, getting to this late in the playoffs. uh, And there's still a couple more steps for them to go to, you know, reach Stanley cup greatness, but we're going to end the segment there and we're going to transition to the Eastern conference. Um, going to talk about, uh, an intriguing series, a series I don't know if many of us would have predicted uh, coming out of uh, coming out of the second round, but we will talk about that coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing makes, numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why end our often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Thank you for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Andrew. So moving on to the Eastern Conference Final. We have, of course, uh, for the third year in a row, the Tampa Bay Lightning, everybody. It's ridiculous. Uh, And facing them with the Herculean task of trying to knock out the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, the New York Rangers. Um... We'll start with the Rangers first because that game is fresh in my mind. They bested uh, the Carolina Hurricanes in game seven. It wasn't a particularly close game, and that was even before Antti Ranta got injured um, and left in what, probably like midway through the game, approximately. Um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was pretty for the Hurricanes. I We might talk about them a little bit in our final segment, talking about disappointments, but... The Rangers were able to take advantage of a Hurricanes team that had not nearly as good goaltending and also who couldn't score on the power play. And the Rangers took advantage. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to, you know, speak a little bit about Game 7 before we get in, but it ties directly into the Rangers because I want to talk about them first. They're, I think, my biggest surprise for getting into this conference final for sure. Uh, but what say you, Andrew? Um. I am not a fan of the Rangers, but I just read quickly that Braden Point is still not expected to play in this round. Uh, his He's progressing, but he has an uncertain uh, return mm-hmm. to the playoffs this year, which is bad for the Lightning. I still think the Lightning win this series in six because I'm just not super impressed with the Rangers overall. <clears throat> and like, yeah, Igor Shosturkin is an absolute game changer, but he's up against the only guy in the world who might be better than him. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so this is going to probably be a super low scoring series, which sucks. Uh-huh. But it'll be a great goaltending performance series, uh-huh. which is good if you're a goalie person, which I am. But I'd like them to be tested more. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't really see an avenue for the Rangers to win this unless the, the Lightning, you know, actually get tired. And the fact that they swept the last series, now they're rested. Man, I just I don't see how they're going to pull that out. It, it's going to be really, really tough. I will say that I think Adam Fox is probably the best defenseman in the playoffs so far, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been really, really great. Um, and yeah, props to this Rangers team for getting this far. I know people have been talking about them. And I mentioned last night on Twitter during Game 7 that the Rangers are basically this year's Canadians, except they're... Um, Instead of it being first line centers being injured, it is goalies being injured. Uh, yes, and nobody, that's the funny thing. Nobody's discrediting the Rangers in the way that the Canadians were last year. Last year, it was like an avalanche of it. And I know part of it's because they eliminated Toronto and Toronto dominates media, mm-hmm. but very few people are talking about the fact that the Rangers are actually much more fortunate than the Canadians were last year. It's one thing to lose a center. I think it's because the Canadians were what? Like, what? 18th? The, yeah, 18th. Um, and yeah, but the, the Rangers, Rangers are the Rangers like it's the public perception. The Rangers, yes, you know, the Rangers were one of the better teams, either. but they were one of the better teams in the Metropolitan Division, regardless of whether or not they were actually a good team. It, yeah. Yes. But that it's the public perception, Andrew. No one not like not all hockey fans are going to, you know, dive deep into the numbers like we this do. is true. So you are getting the surface level thing. It is obvious, you know, when you have the 18th best team beating um, other really like much better teams, they seem like, you know, and and getting good luck along the way to, you know, getting to the Stanley Cup final. And then you have a team like the Rangers who were one of the better teams by record in the Metropolitan Division. I'm I'm not really defending the Rangers here, but I'm just like talking to you from, I guess, a casuals perspective. Like you're not going to get you're not going to get as much uproar over it because the rangers were all year long one of the top three teams in the metropolitan division by record and also have a goalie who is uh in contention for the heart and the vesna so that helps i think um, it definitely does and i think you know Kreider having having a 50 goal oh season, yeah that helps too yeah it, it just it's it just funny it is because uh, uh, the it rangers this year in the playoffs are worse than the canadians were last year which i find <laughs> very funny. interesting that like, is very funny their expected goal score percentage at five on five is 39.7%. That is brutal. And one of my questions in this segment was if, you know, the, the Rangers are as big of a paper tiger as we thought, or like, are they actually good? Or are they benefiting from those injuries? Uh, but it seems like Andrew, you are still on the side that they are playing a bit above their weight class. Yeah. I mean, I think in the playoffs, I kind of, I want to give credit to every team who goes far, even if it is riding luck, because you still have to accomplish that, right? Like oh, you yeah. still have to push it. You still have to take advantage of your opportunities. And the Rangers have done that. They could have folded when the Penguins were up. I think the Penguins were up three, one, I think so. you know, and you know, sure. Truba managed to injure Crosby and then they were still playing against a third uh, string goaltender, but they could have lost to the Carolina hurricanes. That that's a good team. You know, even with anti Ranta, like, yeah, anti Ranta is a backup goalie, but he's still a good goalie. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the Rangers have earned their spot. It's just that I don't think they have any chance of beating the Lightning. Yeah. I mean, uh, I wrote in my uh, previews at, for the win that the Lightning are the final boss um, of the for everyone. <laughs> uh, for, yeah, they are, they are the final boss, epic music and all, you know, one winged angel playing in the background. So they are the final boss here. Um, and it's going to take a lot to dethrone them. And the Rangers have some good pieces, have maybe the only goalie, like, you know, that could possibly be on par with Vasilevsky, uh, have, you know, the best defenseman in these playoffs and Adam Fox have, you know, Chris Kreider playing absolutely out of his mind. Just, you know, what a season for him it's been. But with all that being said, this is the Tampa Bay Lightning, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, even without Braden Point. They were able to dismantle the Florida Panthers, who, yes, I know, were not looking like themselves, uh, but they are well-rested, and they have got the best goalie in these playoffs, bar none, in Vasilevsky. And, you know, we know his numbers in 
um, elimination games, you know, when the team's back is against the wall in game sevens, we know how good he is. Um, and he's just stone cold. Like there is yep. <sighs> what, what will it take to beat this guy? I don't know if the Rangers have it, but yeah, I think this is the lightning series here. I cannot see unless for some reason, Vasilevsky, the Rangers are able to get Vasilevsky off his game. That is the only way I can see this happening, even without Braden point, who is a big cog in the machine of the lightning. But I just, it's so hard to, you know, it's so hard to beat this lightning team and, you know, by all rights, they should be tired. By all rights, they should be a weaker team, too. Like, you know, the salary cap crunch really hit them. They lost their one of their major lines coming into the season, one of the beating hearts of this team. And they've still been able to get through and persevere to the conference final. And, you know, they should be tired. They really should be, considering, like, they played so many games, uh, played more games than anyone else in the NHL over the last couple of years. Like, the cards should be stacked against them, but they just seem to come out stronger every time and i can't help but respect it i know like i said that they are the final boss the main villain uh of the nhl right now but i cannot help but respect what they do because they have just built an incredible organization with you know smart management and stuff like that um but yeah this this feels like i think i also said it's um it's you know thanos going i am inevitable i know what happens to thanos (laughs) after that but it feels like that point in you know Avengers Endgame when he goes I am inevitable again like I said I know what happens to him after that but um, it really does feel like the lightning are inevitable um, but I'm willing to be surprised here but I think you're right that this is probably going to be a um, you know if the avalanche and oilers are the all offense goaltending optional this is the all goaltending offense yep. optional series. They all, are two complete opposites. All defense. Yes, they are two complete opposites. And funnily enough, Andrew, you also said lightning in six. That is what I have. So we're going to ride or die with these predictions, it feels like, on this podcast. So, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about this series before we move on to some uh, playoff disappointments? Yeah, uh, I just saw a tweet a little while ago that was asking who has the best jersey of the teams remaining. And if we were talking about regular season jerseys or like picking the best jersey from each team, I think it's very, very easily the Oilers. But they insist on wearing those god awful Navy practice jerseys. And I have to say, this might be one of the worst conference final jersey collections Ever. I know some people love the Rangers and the sideways lettering. I find it so Oh, you're not a fan boring. of like not a fan. I think it's the worst original six jersey aside from the racist one. Oh. <laughs> uh I've always liked script jerseys. It reminds me of college hockey. And I've talked about I, you know, my my roots as a journalist are in college hockey, so it uh it you know brings me some nostalgia. And I hate to be nostalgic nostalgic for my own college tenure because it really wasn't that long ago. Um but yeah, uh I get it. I if I had to, you know, pick, I would pick the Rangers Lightning as the better um, jersey, you know, matchup because they're both blue and my favorite color is blue. So I'm biased. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, that is, ugh, I hate that the Oilers are wearing those jerseys. What is the point? Uh, they're so, they're just so bad. They're so bad. I, they're so bad. And I don't like the Avalanches away jerseys because of the, the weird blue lettering on them. It's weird. I don't it's, like it, it. It's it's so close to being good. It's so close to being perfect, and they've tweaked it, and they tweaked it in the wrong direction. Basically, yep. like don't don't do that. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, that is uh that is our um, conference final playoff preview. Um, I'm not surprised that Andrew that we have the same picks. Uh, but I'm sorry to both the um, Avalanche and the Lightning for dooming them because this always happens to me. Uh, but yeah, we're going to uh, g- uh, go into our next me- segment and talk about um, playoff disappointments. And I might be adding the Carolina Hurricanes to that list, but we will we will talk about that coming up right after this. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments this year, including basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. 
Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Andrew. So, playoff disappointments. Uh, we've had a handful of them uh, in these playoffs. I first want to start with my biggest disappointment is the Florida Panthers. One, because poor Claude Giroux doesn't deserve any of this. I can't believe they did my boy dirty like that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's the biggest playoff disappointment because they had the best offense for the President's Trophy winners and were swept out of the playoffs by the Lightning. Uh, didn't really show much of a fight. Uh, didn't really look like themselves at all. I mean, maybe this was the real Panthers all along. I don't know. Um, but, like, even though they made it to the second rounds, their wins against the Capitals weren't convincing. They were, you know, their their strength was their ability to, you know, make comebacks and stuff like that. And while they did do that in the Capitals series, they just, it never felt like they were playing from a position of strength at all. Um, so the Florida, the Florida Panthers, at least for me, my biggest playoff disappointment so far, because I expected a lot of, I expected a lot of things from them and being swept out of the playoffs, um, uh, put you number one in my book. So what about yep. you, Andrew? I, uh, it makes for bad podcasting, but I agree with you. Uh, it's <laughs> strange to say that a team that made it out of the first round is the biggest disappointment, but the Florida Panthers, as they were playing in the regular season, should have swept the Washington Capitals, and mm -hmm. they did not even play well against them. They barely made it out of that series, even though they won in six games. And then it was they more on just... the strength of their, like, they're just their overall like talent skill I level. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Skill level. They played on talent, not as a team really. And really it was, it came like Carter for was the guy mm -hmm. like all playoffs for them. He was their best player, which is crazy. Cause like, listen, he's a good player, really yeah. good player. But if he's your best player, that's yeah, an issue. It's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. And I, I think there's a lot of questions that should be surrounding Jonathan Huberto right now. I, I think there's a lot of questions around their defense. And obviously their goaltending is a question because it's super expensive. And, you know, when does Spencer Knight take over? I know he didn't have a great season this year, but a lot of questions in Florida right now. I think that there are a lot of folks who think that they are in a great position to just run it back. And like, yeah, they don't really have a choice in that, but they have a very limited cap window to get this team over the hump. And this year was not encouraging at all. And uh, I feel like I talked about this, but this feels like the biggest missed opportunity here of these teams mm -hmm. that we'll talk about. Um, this feels probably like the biggest missed opportunity. Um, I think you could say the same of... thing about the flames. Mm, interesting. The oh, because... I mean, there's a, there's a point of, you know, a lot of Flyers fans really want Johnny Gaudreau to come home uh, this yep. off season. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, you know, uh, there are, there's, you know, talk of splitting up the court in, uh, in Calgary. And that's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't think Gaudreau is going to leave, but I don't think he's going to get any cheaper either. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, like, they yeah. have Johnny Gaudreau is a UFA. He's their only real big one, but, it, you know, I mean, uh, Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, Matthew Kachuk and Andrew Manjapane are restricted free agents at uh, 24 and 26 years old. Those guys are due for massive paydays. Yeah. So, the Flames are at a precipice here where mm -hmm. they have to figure out what they can actually keep together this might have been their best overall chance to win the cup. And they threw and they threw away such great seasons from that top line. Yeah. Um, and did. it's it's really a shame because they were one of the best lines in the in the NHL for a good portion of the season. Um, and they just weren't able to put it together um at the end of the day. And you know, Jacob Markstrom, you know, I I don't think he was a Vesna finalist. But he was up there. Like he, he, he should have been a Vesna. He should have been. been. I think Freddie Anderson. I think Freddie Anderson took his spot, if I remember. Uh, but he was up there. He he really was for a good portion of the season. Probably should have been a Vesna finalist, but was one of the better goaltenders this year. And just oh, no, he he was a nominee. It's uh, oh. Shesterkin, Saros, and Markstrom. So oh, I, okay. So it was Freddie out. Anderson. I flipped it in my head. So it was Freddie Anderson was the one that fell out. All right. But so yeah, he was a Vesna candidate. And it just didn't materialize. I mean, we talked about in the Star Series how he was able to match the incredible performance of Jake Ottinger and beat it. And here he just wasn't. I don't know what it was. I mean, goalies are weird voodoo and stuff like that. So who am I to say what's what's gone wrong? But he just did not look like himself. He really didn't. And uh, the Oilers were able to put more pressure on him than anybody else so far 
in these playoffs, and he, uh, he just kind of crumbled. And, I mean, he's still a really good goalie. Um, it doesn't all lie at Markstrom's feet here for me. Um, but no. it is probably they like they also left their... him out to dry a lot of that series as well. Yeah, but it is, it's at least their biggest glaring thing coming out of that playoffs for me Uh, and markstrom has i think three years left after no four years left mm -hmm. so i understand why sutter didn't make the switch because there's like next year to think about as well but i think taking markstrom out in one of those games in edmonton and letting vladar have a full game might have allowed markstrom to reset a little bit yeah so it's one of those things where it's like it's very easy to look back in hindsight and, and say, this was a bad decision, but also I'm going to look back and say, this was a bad decision. <laughs> like I feel like Daryl Sutter was a little bit too stoic in that series, just expecting that his team from the regular season would resurface and dominate play. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, they, they held court at even strength. They were the better team at even strength, but they could not defend in front of Markstrom and he could not save any of the high quality opportunities that the Edmonton Oilers were creating. And I just, I think the Calgary Flames are not going to be as good next year just because they're going to have to move out pieces in order yeah, to... Yeah, but it's going to be tough to here. recreate that magic that they it had is. this year. Uh, and, you know, going from one Canadian team to another, I yep. put the Maple Leafs on this list. Um, yep. Even though, for me, this loss feels... Not more acceptable, but not nearly as embarrassing as their previous Game 7 losses, but they still lost in Game 7. Yeah. It's know? the compounding of it, right? It is. It is. It's... And, I mean, wasting away uh, Austin Matthews' incredible season. Yep. Um, th this was probably their best team that they had put together in a very long time, um, and they still faltered at the end. Sure, they gave the Lightning everything they had and then some. It's not nearly as embarrassing or as apocalyptic essentially as you know their previous game seven losses where it was either bowed out in embarrassing fashion to you know the canadians or just you know like it's really those losses against the canadians and the um the blue jackets that are you know the big things here and i guess also the boss the bruins at one time but like yeah this is just a another maple leafs disappointment and they also are facing down decisions of, you know, what their roster is going to look like. Yeah, I know they got Jason Spezza back for a premium. Not Jason Spezza, he retired. Uh, Mark Giordano back for a premium. Jason Spezza retired. Uh, there we go, I just flipped him in my head. Uh, I would but, say um, Giordano back for like a big deal, not mm -hmm. so much a premium, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's making 800 grand, which I thought that was lower than the league minimum. Really? Isn't the league minimum nine seventy five now? I thought it was seven fifty. I thought it was above that. Mm, maybe Cause it's changed because when, when you send somebody down, you get the league minimum back of their contract and cap space, right? And that was like nine hundred and seventy five k this year. I thought mm -hmm. so. Maybe it's like if you're over thirty five, you can sign for less. Maybe, maybe I don't know the full. On... I don't know the full intricacies of the CBA yeah. and stuff like that, but but the one saving grace that the Leafs have is that like Michael Bunting has another year left at 950k. Mm -hmm. uh, you know they've got some cheap players in there. Uh, Kyle Clifford is really cheap right now, which you know gives them a roster player, I guess. Mm -hmm. But like Wayne Simmons, does he play next year? Yeah, there's a lot of questions going on there. Uh, David Kampf is also relatively cheap. He was great in the playoffs, I thought. Like, there's a lot more structure for the Leafs than there is in Calgary, where like Calgary has a lot of their big players up for contract, mm -hmm. whereas the Leafs, it's like everything around the margins, which is how they are almost every year. Like, their biggest question is like, are they going to lose Ilya Mikheyev? And like, mm -hmm. probably will they find another Ilya Mikheyev almost immediately? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just kind of how the NHL is. It's got yeah. like a bunch of fringe players that are able to, you know, mix and match and put together and stuff like that. But Maple Leafs also fall squarely in that disappointment camp uh, because, you know, this by all rights, this should have been their year. It really yep. should have been. Uh, when point went down in game seven, they should have taken it over and they never did. Yeah, they just they weren't able to do it. Uh, and the last team, I'll put the Hurricanes in here. I'll say yes. It. I'll put the Hurricanes in here. I know another team that needed to do something this year. I know, I know that they had goaltending issues. Freddie Anderson didn't play at mm -hmm. all in the playoffs, and that sucks. Uh, 
you know, to have both Ronta and Anderson go down uh, the way they did at the end of the regular season and, you know, put their their goalies in jeopardy and Freddie Anderson never came back and Ronta just um, obviously got injured in game seven, but, you know, wasn't really holding up uh, at the end of the series. But it's their power play that disappointed. I think they scored, what, like six goals or whatever in total in the uh, in the postseason um, had at least a the last time I checked, it was like a 12 percent power play uh percentage it's not great it's not great at all and i know that the hurricanes make their strength on defensive structure but i think that they need to find a way much like the islanders they need to find a way to have some offense um get get a few more finishers on this team or at least at least one more finisher because yeah it just seems like they couldn't you know score when needed and their defense let them down and they were put in a situation where they don't often are they're not often in where their defensive structure break down breaks down and their goalies aren't able to stop pucks they need to score they are they're a team that likes to you know win one nothing or two one or whatever um and they just weren't able to do that in this series but for me it was a disappointing one especially with the way that it played out by the end yeah yeah it was the the a team that didn't have any excuse yeah. Right, like Igor Shosturkin is good. No, like no disrespect to him at all, but the Carolina Hurricanes had to get over this hump, much like the Maple Leafs. They've been knocking at the door now for four years. They're a team we all know is extremely good. They did not play well in the playoffs. They didn't win a single road game. Oh like, yeah, come yeah. on. Yeah, that's that, and they finally lost a home game at the the worst time. So yep. yeah, it was it was. Yeah, disappointing from the Hurricanes here. Um, that'll at least wrap up, I think, our uh, talks on disappointments. Uh, we could possibly revisit this uh, next uh, once the um, conference finals are over because someone is probably going to disappoint here, I am sure. It always happens. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to finish off the episode with our pop culture roulette segment. Uh, and I think we have a lot to talk about, Andrew, because a this lot of true. stuff, a lot of stuff came out. Uh, so, you know, buckle up and prepare because uh, spoilers are going to be ahead. Uh, that'll be coming up right after this. You've been asking and Built delivered. Built granola bars are here. Built granola bars come in three unbelievable flavors. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mix box at Built.com right now. There are so These are so different from the bars and the puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. With 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar, Built's granola bars will change your world. Built's has cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or eat as a snack. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. That's built.com right now to get the built granola bars. Three delicious flavors to try chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. You got to get yours today. Go to built.com to get built granola bars now. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Andrew. So. Heading off this episode before we, you know, move on with our day uh, and such uh, is our pop culture segment. And like I said, there was a lot of pop culture that came out uh, over the weekend. Uh, we got two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, new series on Disney Plus, and the entire first part of the next season of Stranger Things. Um, and I have completed both of them. I didn't so think bad. I was going to be able to do all of Stranger Things. But then I realized I had more free time on my hands than I thought once I came back from the wedding. So I was able to plow through that with ease. So I have both to talk about. I have no idea. I assume you watched both episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So they'll probably be the thing we talk about the most here. I don't know how far you got into Stranger Things. And I don't know if you have anything else on your list of things to talk about, Andrew. But that is what I've got. But we'll start with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because that's the, that is the bigger deal. Uh, what did you think, uh, Andrew? Um, and how cute is uh, spoilers here? How spoilers, cute? Yes. How cute is a uh, you know ten year old Princess Leia? So cute. So and cute. first of all, Star Wars fandom is so goddamn toxic. It oh, is unbelievable mm -hmm. how vicious people are being 
the fact that star Wars had to tweet. Don't be racist. Mm -hmm. Uh, so far this series, I'm actually pretty into it. Uh, I am biased here in that this is what I wanted in the first place. But I like that the first episode was basically showing a broken Obi-Wan Kenobi who is kind of a piece of shit that mm -hmm. doesn't really feel the pull to help people that has isolated himself, that has trauma. I think this is an extremely interesting take on the character. The only one that I really wanted to see. I didn't want to see sly jokey obi-wan from the prequels because that wouldn't make sense it wouldn't make sense it's like the the thing that bothers me the most about the last jedi right is that at the end of it when so many of the re resistance in that movie yeah i think it's the resistance mm -hmm. have died and they're basically on the ropes against the first order and they're all like laughing and joking as they fly off in the millennium falcon it's like what <laughs> why are they so happy right now i understand they escaped but like it should be a little bit more somber, like the end of Empire, where like, yeah, there's some hope there, but nobody's smiling and laughing, right? Luke gets his robot hand and they're all kind of sad. That's the mm -hmm. end of the movie with like a sprinkle of hope. Mm -hmm. So I think they didn't land that there. They seem to be on the right track here. I knew as soon as I watched the second episode that there's going to be a ton of people who are like, oh, man, little Leia is so annoying. And they're all going to be people who don't have kids. <laughs> little Leia is just a accurate kid, an mm -hmm. accurate, strong-willed kid, and I love her. I hope there's yes. more of her. I am very here for it. I, I love that they have a bit of a relationship that explains why she trusts Luke immediately when he mentions Obi-Wan at the beginning of A New Hope. Um, I am very into where this series is going. I wish it was more than six episodes. Very hyped to see Hayden Christensen back with Obi-Wan. I think that's super fun i watched a bunch of interviews with the two of them did you see the one where uh it was like they did like the star wars celebration or whatever mm -hmm. and they're like do you have any last moments before or any last words before we go towards like the obi-wan premiere and like end this thing and hayden christensen leans into his microphone and goes this is where the fun begins yeah and i am 100 percent convinced that hayden christensen is a prequel memes shit poster <laughs> And you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> no, I mean, it checks out. It makes sense. And I'm so here for, you know, hitting Christians and getting the, um, you know, the recognition he deserves uh, because the prequels were not all on him. He did the best with what he could and he did not deserve the hate that he got. Uh, because no one does. You should not do that to people. You know, hating Christians. They're doing a job. Yeah, they're doing a job. Hating Christensen, the young girl who plays uh, Princess Leia. No, do not do that. Uh, or I, the girl who's playing Reva as well. That's who, also true. Yeah. Or is it Reva or Reva? I think it's Reva. I think it's Reva. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, I find the reaction to that character is predictable and disgusting. Uh, I'm actually interested in that character. Mm, I think yeah. the opening flashback to Order 66 is showing us the spawn of that character. Mm -hmm. uh, when you see the, the little girl, I think her relationship with Obi-Wan is something that I'm interested to see going forward. The people who think that or who've been saying that she's a bad actress. I don't know what you're talking about other than you're probably a misogynist or a racist. I think that she's been fine. I think the fact that she's been the aggressive inquisitor mm -hmm. is interesting. You don't like the parkour over the buildings. I fine. thought it was cool. I thought, I thought it was, it was cool. fine. I thought it was like, cool. who cares? The only thing in that series that I didn't like was the chase scene with the uh, Leia in the forest. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because of her. It was it's the because people... why are the adults not catching up to her because they should have longer legs and therefore I mean, even if they didn't catch up to her, it's like the obstacles that were stopping them were like, oh, there's a, a tree, tree branch, branch two feet high that I can't jump over. But I, I feel like the part of part of that is like the limitations in stunt work that you can do with a 10 year old. Mm -hmm. And also those people are wearing masks. They can't see. Mm -hmm. So like they can't run full speed. It's it, so like it's it's excusable, yeah. even though it kind of looked dumb. Yeah, it did look dumb, I think, is the biggest thing. But I mean, that's just a quibble on what is it so is. far been a really awesome series. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes next because uh, there's a lot here. And I think uh, they pulled a really good dupe on us. I didn't realize Princess Leia was going to be in the series. I don't know if anybody yeah. did. Um, that was probably like the best kept secret 
uh because you know like there was hope but nobody actually knew i don't think yeah i didn't i didn't think that like the trailers gave nothing away i didn't think that that was going to be the hook here i mean you know we we know yeah, they all showed young awful. luke right yeah and you know obi-wan like the in the trailers it was clear obi-wan gets off of tatooine but how we didn't know and you know i didn't realize that um you know, that was going to be the hook. I must say, I love the relationship between uh, what Bail Organa and, you know, Leia. like that whole family dynamic. Um, it's great. It is really great. Uh, it fits well with, you know, Leia's character and how, like how she grows up and who she grows up to become. Um, I'm really also sweet. a huge, huge fan of Jimmy Smith. So I was just really mm-hmm. happy to see him back. And I hope he's in the whole yeah. series. Like, yeah, I, I, hope, love I hope so him. Mm-hmm. He's such a great actor. Every character that he's embodied throughout his whole career is like a fan favorite for me. I, mm-hmm. I just, I love that man. He's awesome. So more Jimmy Smiths, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very excited to see, you know, Obi-Wan, you know, use this lightsaber because yep. like I, they're, they're clearly holding off on, on it for the right moments, the right impact. Um, and it's going to be, you know, fun when he does, because yeah uh like like i said they're clearly saving saving it for stuff and the inquisitors are really cool um i i know them from the video game uh star wars jedi fallen order um so i've uh, i know that they've appeared in other uh, star wars properties rebels yeah yeah uh but i know them from that game so you know it's been cool to see uh, you know more of them you know as uh, they play the antagonists in uh, not those characters, but other characters from the Inquisitors play the antagonist of that game. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Excited uh, to see what happens next. Um, you're right. I think it w- I wish it could be more than six episodes, but I hope that it's a, you know, tightly compacted narrative that, you know, like doesn't go to I don't think it'll go too long. But like, you know, it's not like it's just like it flows really well from one episode to the next, basically. But um, so did you get through any of Stranger Things yet? Yes, I absolutely mainlined Stranger Things while the kids were sleeping. All uh, right. Stayed up way too late every night this weekend. So, mm-hmm. All right. So what did you think of uh, Stranger Things season four, part one, I suppose? So far, it is the best thing they've done since season one. I think so, too. I think so, I think too. It's, it's really fantastic. Um, the scene, like spoilers again, for mm-hmm. anybody who's watched Kenobi and hasn't watched Stranger Things, uh, click off. The scene with max with the deal with god song running out i was so tense i was like leaning forward because mm-hmm. they have mostly avoided killing like the main characters but they you know you had that moment in season one where you thought will was dead and i still remember my like visceral reaction to that when i yeah. saw it it was so i was like just hoping that they wouldn't kill max right mm-hmm in such so a good. brutally horrific way. I must yes. say, I am uh uh this season I don't think is for the faint of heart. Okay, thankfully no. after after <laughs> the first time, you know, the brutal murder stuff happens. If you've seen the show, if you've seen the season, you you know what I'm talking about. After you see it the first time, it's not nearly as bad, but I'm like, I don't want to see any of these main cast characters end up like that. No, yeah. please. I feel so. like they go a little bit more cartoony with the the murders. As it goes on, which to me takes away from it a little bit because they've set the stage for it to be so visceral. But uh, yeah, they made the Demogorgon not so much, though. The Demogorgon is like more vicious than ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's I think the only thing I don't not that I don't like, but I don't find as interesting has been the stuff with Elle. And it's a shame because Millie Bobby Brown, like, is a great actress, does incredible work. I think it's just I like. I don't know. Uh, I've been less interested in the stuff in Russia. Uh, I found that just took too long. The Russia stuff is fine. The best parts for me are the stuff with, you know, everybody back in Hawkins, Dustin, Steve, Robin, Nancy, all of them. Incredible stuff. I would watch an entire show of just them. Max, like everybody. I would watch an entire show of just Steve Harrington and Dustin and and them and Robin. And yes, of course, like as the. Like I love Steve and Robin's relationship so much as a person who I love that because it's a per it's a duo of people who love women. So it's just like <laughs> you get like that those inc- their incredible back and forth being like, yeah, girls, am I right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That, that it really is what it is like. Um, 
so uh yeah those are my favorite parts it's the more interesting stuff too that happens in hawkins i don't know i maybe it's because you know the stuff with l is just more of a slow burn she's she has character development obviously but like it always seems like she's back in the same place and yeah whatnot. i didn't enjoy I the stuff with l in california just because it was just it's so it's so awful to watch her yeah. go through that. It just yeah. felt painful. It but is. Once she got put into the the Nina situation, she's back with Brenda. Yeah, that was much better. Once, like, <laughs> once you know, it was it more leaned into that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, I found it better. I mean, even like you know, the... although did you call the reveal of one? Uh, before it happened, like in that episode, yes. Before it okay. happened, no. <laughs> I thought it as soon as he started telling her that uh, Brenner was not being truthful, I was like, that's one. Mm. Yeah, once, I don't remember specifically when, but it was in that episode right before the reveal. But I'm like, oh, because he, I don't remember specifically what he says. Um, but is that, he may have said like one is like a friend or something. I don't remember specifically what he says, but like, yeah, I eventually was able to catch on to it like five minutes before the reveal, basically. <laughs> uh, but that's just, that's just, I was just more concerned. I was like, what's going to happen? Like, cause I was like the, like, you know, Nancy, the, the, the older kids, Nancy, Robin, Steve, and Eddie, who I've really enjoyed as an addition to the cast. Yes, like a, I've enjoyed Eddie uh, too. Yeah. Um, as I, I, I love that they keep expanding that cast of characters because it's just everybody they've added is really great. Um, I was scared for them because you're right. I was very terrified that one of them was going to die because you're right. They haven't, you know, they haven't really ki killed many of the main cast of characters. Um, and it felt like that we were revving up for an opportunity to do so. Yeah. So I was more worried about them. So I was like, oh, please don't kill any of them because they're, <laughs> my, like I said, the, my favorite part of the show. Uh, and it, Also, it, shout it, out to Lucas, who was like the most wholesome, awesome character. And it felt like they were taking him away from that at the beginning. And then it, mm -hmm. you just see how like the most sensible character, like yeah. in the beginning with all the teenage drama stuff. Uh, he just he felt like the most sensible character. I know he like fell in with the you know basketball um i guess satanic panic crowd as you as, as it has been crowns as you know because it's but really got to, out of there so fast he, he got out of there realized, so fast right? so good for him uh like i said probably the most sensible character uh of the bunch in terms of just like how realistic he is and is like i don't want any part of this drama uh so good for him but like i said really i think it was probably the strongest season um you're right since season one uh, yeah. Even though I had a lot of fun in season three with like, you know, the stuff at the mall and, you know, Robin is also another favorite character of mine. And I'm, like her introduction and, you know, stuff like that was really yeah, good in season three. But two and three weren't bad. Mm -hmm. They just the, season one was phenomenal. Like there's a reason yeah. why that season went like for back, lack of a better word, viral. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that season was so big. And this season, the one issue that I have with it really is that it deserves better than the binge format, right? Like I fully mm -hmm. enjoyed binging it this weekend. I did, but to have how these episodes are structured, if it was one a week where you had mm -hmm. to wait, theorize and look forward to it, that big reveal at the end of the mid season finale would have felt so much bigger. And like the stuff with max or like already it has that emotional punch when she's like running through trying to get out of, the upside the down, down yeah. like mind area and like you see like the flashes of her with Lucas and like the other kids and they're so young because yeah. the series won three years in between seasons and it's like it's emotional this pull and you're like wow this series just like it doesn't pull its punches it would hit so much harder mm -hmm. if we had to wait for it yeah yeah we talked about that last time uh coming into uh this series and yeah uh, you're right it's a shame that netflix won't change their ways but um yeah i it would have more of an emotional impact for sure but that scene with max seems to be the you know defining moment of the season so far 100%. and it, for, for good reason because uh you know everybody everybody killed it in terms of the acting uh you know music great stuff yeah just overall really good uh i'm excited to see how they follow up in the second part uh because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff um that needs to get resolved and yeah it's going to be it's going to be a good time and you know now knowing that the stuff that l is dealing with is coupled back into the stuff with hawkins uh i, I found that a really nice and tidy nice. reveal yeah yeah exactly loops everything like, together loop, yeah loops everything back together in a nice way that makes sense too because they foreshadowed 
that stuff in the one flashback you get with that house and the sun. Like, I was like, hmm, why is he not as disfigured as the others? And they also mentioned that, like, he kind of collapsed instead of, uh, you know, uh, being, like, brutally murdered. So yeah. they set they set up the breadcrumbs nicely, and it only took, like, it took that, ep- like, that final episode for it to all click together. But when it clicked, it was, it made sense. So Yeah, it, it, it didn't feel forced. It was very yeah. nicely put together. It was um, very nicely put together and, you know, merged both sides of that story, basically. One last thing that I'll say about it before, before we close out is I absolutely love how much Steve Harrington and Eddie like compete for Dustin's admiration and affection. I find it so adorable. Like the Steve, this like super cool, rich guy who like gets all the ladies. It's like, I, I really want this young nerdy kid to think I'm the coolest. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's why they're the best characters that they the are. group in Hawkins is the best characters. 100%. Uh, I love them so much. Uh, and I only want good things for them. And I swear to God, if anything bad happens to them, I'm coming for you, Netflix. But, <laughs> but that is all the time we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL Show. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify and YouTube and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We'll be back on Friday with some more Puck Talk, but now make your second listen Locked On NHL. From first-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.